<laughs> what is going on, guys? This is Gene Jensen, and it is time for another Friday Night Live. All right, all right, all right. Man, it's good to see everybody. Holy cow. <laughs> Doug Stubbs, best night of the week. It might be, man. It might be the best night of the week. I'm in the middle of doing 300 things at one time like normal. But uh, but yeah, man, I, uh, I built a greenhouse today in my backyard. That's been kind of a crazy day. But uh, my little brother came up and helped me so I wouldn't kill myself trying to do it. And my ice has gotten so small that I suck it down when I take a drink. Um, Walton Doyle says my beard is looking good. How you like it, bro? Man, uh, I don't know if I'm driving my wife crazy yet or not, but I'm, I'm enjoying learning how to do something new, like take care of a beard. Kind of an interesting thing. So, Eric Anderson, how you doing, man? Michael Castanotis, how you doing, brother? Goodness, it's good to see everybody. Oh, good, 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 good. Colby, ask that question here in just a few minutes when we get Q&A going, and we will we will get that rocking and rolling. I'm going to let the numbers build up. Of course, I've covered my number. There we go. Let the numbers build up a little bit, and then we'll get things going. But uh, everybody doing okay. Why is Otto Defoe saying he made Ott's garage lure when Rapala had DT flats? I have no clue. I don't know what you're talking about. I know Ott makes his own lures. I do know that. He's got quite a few. Uh, that he has made uh, for himself. And I'm pretty sure he's the only one that uses the ones that he makes. So let's see. <laughs> Jay Rolfin, you need to shave. No, man, I kind of like it. I kind of like it. I want to see how I'm going to grow it until my wife calls uncle and then I'll cut it off. You'll know when it gets too long, it drives her nuts. So Good. Thanks, everybody. Thank you a lot. Uh, RJ Castings, what's going on? He says, this is way out of the way question, but are you religious? Yes, I am very much so. Very, very much so. Um, <laughs> David Carlson, my notification came, came way late. Um, goodness, I need to come up to Lake Erie. I don't know about July. It'd be fun, though. It'd be fun. Jordan Messer, how you doing? Watching from West Virginia. Go Mountaineers. Right on. Tanner, thanks, man. Thomas Bill, thanks, man. Yeah, get some more gray in the beard. What's funny is my little brother's got gray all in his part of his beard all the way around, and it drives him nuts that all I have is it right here. It's kind of funny. Him and I have always been competitive, and we fought like cats and dogs when we were little kids. So... Oh man, oh man. Um what are the bass spotting on Rocky? You know, I don't know, but I'll know tomorrow. I'm gonna go out tomorrow and try to get some filming done. I, I'm not gonna fish hard. I'm gonna film harder than I'm fishing. So, but definitely. All right, let's do a real quick giveaway because I didn't do it at the end of last month. Um, a stuck on fluke giveaway. If you guys don't know what stuck on fluke is, let me get this off the bottom. Uh it's a giveaway I'm doing where uh at the end of each month. I go into Instagram and I look at all the pictures where somebody hashtag stuck on fluke. And what it is, is they go, you go to my website, buy a sticker, take a picture of it, put it on Instagram, uh, hashtag stuck on fluke and tag me. And then I go in and find it at the end of each month. And I, and I pick a winner. 
Um, and uh, I haven't been great at doing it. I had to pick two last month and I'm only going to pick, I, I only need to pick one now, but I was supposed to do it a couple weeks ago. But anyway, tournaments got in the way. I think I'm going to slow down on tournaments for the rest of the year and just focus on you guys, focus on my videos and that kind of stuff. Uh, and slow down doing tournaments may do, you know, I'll do the KBF challenges, but that may be it. Uh, the rest of them just got in the way. I get 110% focused on them and I don't ever turn on my camera because I just don't think about it. And uh, it's, uh, I, I, I've been sucking. But anyway, Stuck on Flute giveaway. Um, the winner this week is Tony Baker. And I got one question. I'm going to try to show you guys the picture. This is one of the pictures. I'm going to thumb through, thumb, yeah. thumb through and see if I can get the other ones to pop up. Tony, I got one question. Boy, do you ever smile? <laughs> I think that's what caught my attention the most, is that you're holding this big old stinking bass and you're not smiling, uh, but that's all right. That's all right. I'm just busting your chops. Uh, so congratulations, man. I will um, send me a message on Instagram if I don't, because I tend to get off of here and get busy doing something else, and I'll, I'll forget. And I'll send you a message. We'll get uh, everything hooked up. I'll get your address, and you will win. You win a, a fifty dollar gift card to my website and a fifty dollar gift card to, to Tackle Warehouse. So congratulations, man. And then. I take his, I'll take his name and put it in a pot with all the other winners in May, and I will draw a winner, and I'm going to go to your house and pick you up, and we're going to go fishing for a day or two. So, sounds like fun. All right, let's go. Congratulations, man. Uh, okay, let's uh, let's do a little Q and A. How many people we got on now? 182. That's awesome. That's awesome. Alan Preno, he's from Peru. How cool is that? you got a texas thing right there that's pretty cool too um what you think about the hundred dollar 13 fishing rod seven foot four uh medium moderate for chatterbaits I, that's the one i use dude really the hundred dollar one is actually the new uh fate v3 is now a hundred dollars and the fate black uh the new fate black is 80 or in the 80 dollar range i know that some of them are a little bit more some are a little you know it just all depends on on the rod on the the model but anyway i love them dude that's what i use for my chatter baits that's what i use for uh my spinner baits it's a really good spinner bait rod it's a really good buzz bait rod but uh i like to throw braid on my buzz baits and i usually just put it on a jig rod because that's usually what i got a braid on anyway so yeah really good rod so Can I use a hard swim slim bait during the pre-spawn swim bait during pre-spawn and uh, spawn season? Yes, you can. Um, I've done that quite often. It works. There's other things that I prefer to fish, but definitely the bass will hit a hard swim bait. Uh, if anything, they'll follow it so you can know that they're there. If you watch behind your swim bait as you're bringing it back to the boat, you'll see them. The big ones will follow it, and then they'll go back to where they were. So, who just donated donated ten bucks for a super chat? Thanks, uh, JPO Fishing for the super super chat. He says, "Finally got to join one of these. Just wanted to say a huge thank you for teaching me to fish, allowing me to teach my dad, and letting us reconnect. How cool is that, dude? You're welcome. I am so glad to be part of that. Um, that is that's the kind of stories I love." You know, I love when dads and, and sons, uh, you know, send me messages talking about reconnecting or even having something to do and having a hobby. And I'm, I'm grateful just to be a little part of it. That is freaking awesome. 
Uh, Bob Pueglis. I'm not, man, I probably killed your name. Uh, what's your take on floating worms pre-spawn, post-spawn from uh, Massachusetts? Dude, that's one of those sleeper lures. The, uh, the floating worm, uh, you fish it a lot like you do a, a soft jerk bait. Uh, what we used to do is prior to the Cinco, we would wacky rig our floating worms. So you just take your worm hook, you know, hook the worm down the center and we would jerk it around and it would, you know, make all kinds of crazy commotion. And, uh, and you would definitely uh, uh, catch fish on it. It has saved several, several days for me, especially on spotted bass lakes. But uh yeah, floating worm is great. It it just it almost is like the more you move it, the better off it is most of the time, you know. And it really really works good in clear water. So, goodness, somebody from Roswell, I just missed it. Uh, please make a walking bait video from a kayak. Yeah, I can do that, Dave Neal. I really can. Thanks for the three bucks, man. I appreciate it. Uh, let me go up. Uh, Eli Self, what's going on, man? Uh, James Lowry from Roswell. What's going on, brother? I drove through your town just uh, just the other day. So best or good beginner bait caster that's very forgiving. I usually talk about price range. Um, under $100, but above $70 is kind of between $70 and $100 is what you're looking for. Most... Um, most most brands have a model in that range that is decent. It'll last you a while. It is very forgiving. It's the inexpensive $50 ones and below that are just, I wouldn't touch with a 400 foot pole. So stay in that price range. Uh, 13 Fishing has two really good ones. The Origin A and the Origin C. Uh, one's 80, I think, and the other one's 100. And they're really good. And I, I use them. My kids use them. They're a really good reel. And so, uh, but yeah, stay in that price range. You'll be good. Uh, looking at buying a new boat and trying to stay under 40 K. Any thoughts? Um, man, dude, you can, you can find some pretty dang good aluminum boats. If you want an aluminum, uh, I've been running Alumacrafts for years and I love my 18 and a half foot, uh, pro 185. It is, uh, put a 115 horse out, uh, horsepower motor on it, and you can get it for somewhere between 30 and 35. Um, uh, mine's going to be for sale here in about a month. And, uh, and but yeah, dude, it, you can definitely stay, you know, fiberglass. I don't know. That's a whole different world that I'm not, uh, I don't really pay much attention to. But the reason I choose an aluminum, aluminum boat over a, a fiberglass is my cost per day to run that aluminum boat is is very, very small compared to what a fiberglass would be. So I'm, I'm running probably $25 to $30 a day uh, to fish out of it. And a, and a fiberglass will run you somewhere between $75 and $125 a day. So it is a, a significant dis difference. So would you fish Lanier or Oconee? Oconee. I, I fished many, many years on Oconee and I've learned it very, very well. And I love it. Absolutely love o Lake Oconee. What size weight for a swim bait hook uh, for the 4.75 rage swimmer? I like a quarter ounce and I don't usually go above a quarter ounce unless I'm fishing super deep. Uh, but yeah, quarter ounce or lighter. Uh, have I used any forward sonar yet? I have tried it. I've used it. Uh, ben Nowak um, up in, uh, in Wisconsin. Wisconsin? Yeah, Wisconsin. Um, I went up to his place um, 
No, he's in Michigan. Anyway, I went up to his place and used it when it was a prototype. Used the Garmin one when it was a prototype and absolutely love it, man. I almost consider it cheating, but I am going to get one as soon as I can. Matter of fact, as soon as I sell my boat, I'm buying one. I'm going to put it on my kayak uh, and uh, and then probably put one on my new boat as well. Um, Bass Pesca USA, what line you, do you recommend for a reel, for a 300 size reel? Um, I'm Ecuadorian from uh, fan, fishing from New Jersey. For a 300, um, I would not go over 10 pound test. Uh, you might get away with 12 if it's a high end, small diameter 12, like uh, Seagar's, um, uh, what you call it? Uh, Seagar's, uh, dang it, my mind just went totally blank. And I know Brian's going to kill me from Seagar. Uh, Tatsu, the Tatsu would work. But what I always do is I put braid on it with a fluorocarbon leader. So a 20 or 30 pound braid would be perfect uh, for any spinner reel and a lot less issue, a lot less problems. So and I think you're talking about a spinning reel. I may be talking about a bait caster. I just reread it again. I might be totally off base. Uh, oh, Alan says he's from Texas, but he lives in Peru or he's living in Peru. That's awesome, man. Tyler Mullins. I have a yak turning next weekend, recently flooded water temp around 42 ish cold and muddy what would you start with in the morning oh cold and muddy i had those conditions and zeroed in uh, at lake murray or yeah lake murray the, uh, this last week um but cold and muddy literally it's going to be a jerk bait or a jig if it's clear but if it's muddy i'm going to go with a chatter bait and a lipless crankbait and just fish them as slow as i possibly can something with a lot of noise you can also big bladed spinner bait uh, works really well, but try to find the clearest water that you can. Uh, that's key. Um, and it's going to be in the backs of the creeks. If it hasn't rained in a few days, that clear water is going to be all the way in the backs of the creeks. And it might even be in the pockets, but any kind of water coming into the lake do, two days after the rain is going to be clear. And so go back to the backs of the creeks and fish around there to find your clear water and uh, or clearer water. And throw something that's making a little bit of noise and you should be good. Uh, let's see. Uh, what's your favorite way to find fish during late winter on the kayak? I struggle when fish are pulled off the banks. Points. Main lake points and secondary points. Any kind of land mass that's sticking out into the water and going down into the water. I'm going to fish every point that I come across and you'll find some fish. Typically, it's points. If you're fishing a man-made lake, typically it's points where the creek channel swings up against that point. So there's a steep side and a, and a not so steep side of that point. And they're going to be on that steep side somewhere um, is where I typically will, will key in on when I'm looking. Oh, excuse me. I don't know why I'm yawning. I had good sleep last night. Um Red in spring, you know, Colby. I think that's that really um, is is something to to red crankbaits and red baits that are in the springtime. Um, that's the time when the crawfish get really really active. Water temperatures between you know forty five and sixty, and they get really active. and And I don't know about the red color. I don't know what causes the red color with crawfish, but man, red and orange and mixed into a a, a green pumpkin jig or green pumpkin spinner bait or chatter bait 
it's dynamite, man. Absolutely dynamite. So, uh, anything, uh, from 13 fishing coming out soon. You're excited about Yes. The white rods, the V3, the $100 V3, I cannot wait. And they may be on the market because I haven't checked in a week and a half. They may be already out, but they're supposed to come out like now. Um, and I know the supply chain's all jacked up and everything else. But if they haven't already come out, man, they're about to. And I am excited about being able to fish them. I've been fishing three, four of their prototypes for about eight months now. And they're really, really good rods for $100. So those are the ones, the other ones I can't talk about because some of them aren't, aren't, aren't going to be announced until I cast. So potato master, thanks for the $2 uh, super chat, man. I appreciate it. That's awesome. Um, what would you throw in a farm pond in the Milledgeville, Georgia area, about 30 miles North from there? Um, let me think. Really, a, a chatterbait would be really good, but a spinnerbait, um, some type of a yellow or white and chartreuse spinnerbait would work really good. Um, any kind of moving bait this time of the year, but fish slow uh, would work really, really good. And then don't forget a creature bait on a Texas rig. Flip it around cover and on any kind, any kind of drops when you're fishing a little small farm pond. But keep your weights light, at, at, at least the weights of the bait. So, um let me look my thoughts on the jabber jaw my thoughts on the jabber jaw uh it's so the fourth the fourth cast i ever made with the jabber jaw I caught a fish and i've been impressed with it ever since um it's a little loud from what I've my experience so far. It's a little loud for those water temperatures that are in the forties. You know, the fish aren't quite aggressive and they don't really want a lot of loud rattles. I think that's when that's the sixth sense, a uh, little, uh, I can't remember what they call it, but bait works that has the same type of deal. But the 13 fishing has those little metal cheeks that that blade hits or that bill hits. And it makes a, makes quite a bit of noise. And it sounds like a jackhammer chatterbait, or it's got the same type of noise as a jackhammer chatterbait. And so um, as the water temperature gets into the 50s, that's when the jackhammer turns on. And I caught a ton of fish last week on one, um, uh, actually on two different colors. But absolutely, when that water temperature starts to warm up into the 50s and gets up in the 60s, it's just going to keep getting better and better. So that's my thoughts on it. It's a great bait. It really is. I wish they made one that dove a little bit deeper. I think there's one in um, one that's in the plans to be made that'll dive a little bit deeper. Uh, at least it's listed on their website. They just don't have any. So, um, all right, let me get caught back up. Um, let's see. <laughs> Tom, I love this comment. Tom from Facebook says, our live scope text uh, technology almost cheating. I think it is really. I really think it's like sight fishing. I think if you use live scope and you don't catch them in the mouth, the fish should not should not count because it is almost like, uh, you know, like sight fishing. Uh, you see the fish, you see how it responds to your lure and you see it there. Oh, you can't snag it. Or you probably could, but it'd be really, really good. But it, man, I you talking about a game changer? 
that thing is nuts, you know, and I've always said there's no such thing as a game changer when it comes to baits and tackle and that kind of stuff. But electronics and motors are game changers. They change the way that you fish. Um, spot lock, you know, the pinpoint on motor guide changes the way you fish. The, um, the electronics, your fish finders, once you learn how to read them, it changes the way you fish. Once I learned how to read a fish finder, I became an offshore angler. And I totally moved away from the bank, started catching bigger and better fish and more fish. But that's after I learned how to read a fish finder. So, um, Muscle Milk Daddy says, not a question. Just hope you're doing well. Thanks for all the knowledge. Very grateful for you. Thanks, man. I really appreciate it. Colby B., what's going on, man? So why is red so important in the spring? I think I just touched on it a little bit. Um, it just has to lot has a lot to do with crawfish, and you and it's just the bass respond to it really, really well, especially in that colored water, that stained water. Clear water, they can. I tend to go to more like oranges to and green pumpkins and stuff in clearer water, even bluegill colors. But man, when you get that murkier water, that red really, really works good. So, all right, I'm gonna jump way ahead and try to get caught up to you guys. Uh, speaking of crankbaits, thinking of going. Braid to leader for cranks from the kayak. What braid size do you recommend for cranks from the kayak? All right. So my experience with braid on a baitcaster, 40-pound braid and lighter on a baitcaster or less on a baitcaster, the diameter causes issues with my casts. I get more backlashes with 40-pound or 30-pound braid on a back on a baitcaster. And I think it's just the light weight and the, and the diameter of the of the of the line so i've gone up to all 50 pound tests now i bet if i took some time to really adjust my reel and everything else good and 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 i could probably throw 40 again so i would say with the crankbait go with 40 and just expect a few more backlashes and just kind of adjust it a little bit tighter and you'll be just fine um 50 the only problem with 50 for me is it just makes too big of a knot even with the fg knot it's just too big of a knot for me when i'm throwing a leader um let's see oh that's an answer to somebody else i'm new to bass fishing uh any advice to someone that's new to uh, the bass game take it a little bit at a time um, the, my best advice, and I did this on pur purpose is I've got a, a playlist on my YouTube channel, uh, specifically for be beginner fishermen. And it starts at the very beginning. And there's, you probably know a lot of the things in the first couple of videos, but you get further and further along in that playlist and it just gets a little bit more advanced and it's kind of a stair step. And it really helps get you through to like basic lures that then lead to other types of lures and it just makes your game a little bit easier so yeah you should be all right just yeah go watch those one at a time and uh and i promise you man they'll really really help it's it's something i put a lot of time and effort into um let's see joshua jones thanks for the three bucks man i can't find your your comment but i uh, appreciate it brother would you always use braid for topwater fishing? I use mono almost all the time. Uh, for me, it's just a lot. For me personally, it's just a lot less problematic. 
Um, Seaguar for a short amount of time made some really good mono, and I have a bunch of spools of that uh, that I keep around and I try to take good care of, so they'll, they'll last me a long time. So, uh, Mark Canterbury, hello from West Virginia. Appreciate it, man. Welcome, welcome. Uh, MD Bassam, you sound tired tonight. Dude, I built a greenhouse today. I got up at 6 this morning. My brother showed up at 8, um, and we... I had already set the post yesterday and, and got them in concrete and got the concrete cured. But, um, but yeah, I, I built a 16, a 12 by 16 foot greenhouse and I haven't put the plastic on it, but it's pretty much all framed in. So yeah, I'm pretty tired. Uh, it's just something that needed to be done. I love growing my own food. I've been doing it my whole entire life. Back when I was a kid, we had, you know, my mom and dad had eight kids. We didn't have a whole lot of money. We grew our food to you know supplement money and that kind of stuff. And so I just have always done it and always known how to do it. And so it's more or less just a way of life for me now, I guess. So I have uh, right here in this room behind me, I've got a, a makeshift uh, growing. It looks like I'm growing pot, but I'm not. It's like actually uh, uh, tomatoes. I have 160 tomato plants growing and a bunch of other stuff. So just seeded them out. And I'm, that's why I'm building the greenhouse. So I can be able to grow them out a little bit more before I put them in the garden. Um let's see let's see stan baird uh hey gene was wondering what your go-to beginner fishing kayak uh you would recommend would be saw some nice ones in the six seven hundred dollar range at bass on bass pro shops i'm going to kind of recommend I recommend pretty much the same thing that Chad Hoover does from kayak bass fishing is buy a kayak that you can afford buy a good paddle and a good comfortable PFD and just go fishing. Um, and if you can test those, which the $600 ones and less that, that range, typically uh, a rate, just a paddle shop that has demos and demo days won't, you know, they won't carry those. But like Bass Pro Shops and stuff probably won't let you demo one. But anyway, get one that's wide if you're a big dude, uh, long if you want it fast, long and narrow. It's just a, there's a whole bunch of things. But the best thing is buy one that you can afford, buy a good paddle, good PFD, and go fishing. And then save your money for your next kayak because I always say a kayak fisherman's favorite kayak is his second one or his third one, but it's never his first one. And it's I'm I'm proof of that. I bought a $600 kayak for my first one and I sold it very, very shortly after that and then saved my money for a bigger one, for another one. So, um, any tips for a bank angler stuck fishing highly pressured ponds or day use areas at the lake without much access, getting frustrated, not catching anything. I understand, dude. Um, right now we're in a transition area, so don't expect too much from the bank, but we're really, really, really close to those bass moving to the bank. Go with light line, finesse techniques with a spinning rod. You know, like when I say light line, eight pound test max and use finesse techniques and fish super, super slow. Don't try to copy everybody else. Just super slow, especially in those high pressure lakes and you'll be able to catch everything or catch a lot of things. Um, Prime example, the, my, my home lake, the one that I fish all the time and that I film from a lot is a public fishing area. It gets tons of pressure. And I figured out that if I fish super, super slow, no matter what I'm fishing with, I catch more fish than when I do like a regular speed or, or you know, fish like every other Joe Blow will do. 
you know. So just like just slow way down and fish light, light stuff. Um, uh, what are your tips on fishing a jig? I've got a bunch of good videos about jig fishing, Zach. But the biggest thing is, um, especially this time of the year, put a little rattle on it. Um, they make jig rattles that hook onto jigs. And then drag it. Don't hop it. You can drag it and shake it, but try not to get it off the bottom. If you don't feel a hard bottom, if it doesn't feel rough as you're trying to pull it through that bottom, you're probably fishing too soft a bottom. Jigs do not work in muddy, uh, uh, silty bottoms because the jig goes down into the silt and silt covers it up and the bass can't fish, sit, can't see it. All he sees is just, you know, mud coming up off the bottom. And so typically it's on hard bottom and you just drag it and shake it and drag it and shake it. And then when you get bit, just two cranks with the reel and set the hook and you'll be just fine, dude. Man, that's my favorite bite. If I get on a jig bite, which doesn't happen very often, I'm, I am just as giddy as a, as a, as a kid at Christmas, man. It just, I get so happy when I'm on a good jig bite. So, um, let's see. Do you think the vibe sea ghost is as good as the SS 127 on rivers? I fish the new river. If not, the SS 107 is better on a river. Uh, the 127 is was not meant to be a river kayak or current kayak. Um, it was meant to be a, a lake, you know, still water type kayak. The Vibe Seaghost, I've never paddled. Um, I you'd have to talk to somebody else that does rivers, but I do know the 107 was designed to be more of a river boat than the 127. So, uh what's the best site to find bank fishing tournaments in minnesota lucky i don't have i don't know not a clue that'd be something you'd have to google <laughs> md bassett electro fishing is best techniques dude are you trolling <laughs> oh that's funny uh dead stick and ned rig you know that's not a bad idea either Why'd you switch from Jackson to Bonafide? Um, the what I can say completely public about it is that Jackson um, had issues with they they weren't fulfilling the contract that we had would put out, and so the and it was very difficult to get them to to fulfill their side of the deal. So it was a paid contract, but anyway, so I had to leave Jackson. I had I didn't have a choice. Bonafide just come around. I talked to Luther several times. Him about him and I had developed a really good friendship, really good relationship. Um, I enjoyed, you know, talking with him. I loved the fact that he had high integrity and he was a very religious person. And so I said, you know what? Let me go call Luther. And I called Luther and I said, Hey, um, can we work out a deal? I said, I love your boats. I've paddled Chad's. I, I love it. And I just want to, you know, want to have the opportunity to just sit down and talk. And that's kind of how it happened. So, and I'm not getting out of a Bonafide anytime soon. I love my Bonafide, especially now I got a motor on it, but I really love it. So what's the benefit of using uh, kayak rods uh, uh, versus traditional rods? So the 13 fishing kayak rods, first of all, they're on an Omen blank, which is like my favorite 13 blank, just super, super good, high quality blank. Um, but they've got a shorter butt. Uh, most of the butts are nine inches long, might be eight, but I think they're nine inches long off the reel. 
and but they're still got their their length. So a seven foot six um, rod has had the reel just slid down to where it has a, a nine inch uh, nine inch handle. And so you still have that length in a seven foot six acts like a seven eleven. But where it, that short butt comes in handy is you're always sitting down or most of the time you're sitting down fishing in a kayak. And so you're doing a lot of moving your rod around right here in front of you. And your PFD is always kind of in the way. And you find that your buddy, your normal rods are getting caught in things on hook sets and while you're switching hands or doing whatever, those short butts don't get in the way. And so they really, really are advantageous in kayaks because they just are easier to move around and they just don't bump into anything. So that was the thought behind it. And I love them. Absolutely. They're great. Uh, the only, my only complaint, and they know this and I, and I, and I, you guys know, I don't hold anything back. So my only complaint is that their heavy action rods need to have a little bit longer handle because those bass hit it and instantly jerks it, you know, especially a big back bass instantly jerks it and you're liable to drop it. And I've got a good video of me almost dropping a rod in Florida. Uh, they just need about a 10 inch, maybe a 10 and a half inch handle. So you can tuck it a little bit more. Um, but everything else is just awesome. So. Uh, do you believe in the bass forecast rating app? If so, next Saturday has fishing at 9.8 Epic. I only believe the bass force fat forecast rating app for the next day, uh, because it's a forecast and you guys know everything and it has, takes into effect the weather and the weather always changes. Uh, and so definitely for the next day, it, it usually has some relevance where I use the bass forecast app is for the feeding times. I want to be on my best spot on the lake during those peak feeding times um, and make sure I'm sitting there fishing. If not, then, you know, eh, it is what it is. So have I ever used the Mega Strike Cavatron? Yes, I have. Girl, I, it is one of my favorites. Um, and I've got a ton of old bodies that I need to put new skirts on, but they are really, really good and they run really slow. Uh, and they squeak right out of the box. I, I only my only complaint is the colors of the blades. I wish they just made a silver. Um, it'd be nice, but anyway, or is it silver or gold? I can't remember. Anyway, so I haven't fished them in a while. I've got a bunch of them out in the barn though. Uh, Gene, that butt to PFD issue is part of the reason I switched to left-hand reels. You know, I I tried, David, man, I have tried to go to left-handed reels. I've got two left-handed 13 reels that I got from them specifically to be able to go and flip. And I can flip and pitch with my left hand. I don't have a problem with it. The problem I have with a left-handed baitcaster is after I set the hook on a fish, it's like, I have lost my mind. I have no coordination to get that bass into the boat. I've done it so many times with the rod in this hand that I, I have more control over the bass. And when I've got the rod in my left hand, it's like, I, I just can't do it. My brain just isn't working that way. So that's kind of the way it is. Um, it's just, you know, or uh, vice versa. When I have the rod in my other hand, anyway, it just drives me nuts. I can't do it. Absolutely. When I have that rod and, and trying to reel it with my left hand, it just sucks. So do I do any turkey hunting? I love to call turkey. I don't love to eat wild turkey, so I don't shoot them. 
But, dude, anybody that wants me to come call turkey, I'd be more than glad to. I love to call turkey. Just can't get in the way of my fishing. So, uh, let's see. Whoa, did I just see something from another five fish limit? What's up, man? How you doing? It has been a while. Good to see you. Um, what are the best fishing apps when fishing and, and fishing in tournaments? The one I use the most, and I'm going to pull it up, is my angler app. Okay? Let me show you this. I'll try to get it without the light being a, too much of a glare, but I don't think I can. These are my trips. Okay? So let's go to... I always forget to turn it off. Let's go to this one right here. So what I like is after I'm done fishing, I can go and I can um, pretty much look at how I fish. So let me go over to, excuse my dirty fingernails. Okay, this is this is me and it and it tracks me, my route on where I was fishing. Now I was I was paddling on the or I was kayaking on this one. All the places that I covered, all the docks that I fished. And this is, I think, a pre-fishing day. And I can go back. And what it does is it'll it'll keep track of my catches. But not only that, it will go back and tell me what time of the day I caught them, what the weather was doing, what the what the uh, the uh, barometric pressure was doing, what the wind was doing, all kinds of stuff. So I can go back later on and I can track it all and, and evaluate. That's the number one that I use. The other one, I use fishing forecast before I go fishing in the morning. Other than that, that's it. So those are my favorite ones. Sean Way, Way? Wall. Man, thanks for the 10 bucks. He says, lakes are finally thawing out here in Pennsylvania, and I'm super pumped. Lipless cranks and jigs are my go-to spring baits. Dude, that's um, definitely, definitely. Let me, um, there was a suggestion I was going to make, and it just slipped my mind. Lipless crankbaits, jigs, there was one more. Get a paddle tail swim bait and put it on a, on a half-ounce head and throw it around and watch what happens. That's what I was thinking. I had to read your comment again because my brain just kind of went poof, gone. Uh, let's see. <laughs> Do you have any tips when you have a warming trend and then the air temperature drops? Um... You know, honestly, I don't typically change something like today. It was really warm. It was great. It was warm yesterday. This afternoon, the clouds moved in. We had a little bit of front moved in and the temperature dropped and it got cold. I had to put my hoodie back on. I was finishing up the greenhouse. Um, and typically, it's not going to affect the fish the first day. So tomorrow, the water temperature is not going to change much. Really, the fishing, whatever it was today, probably the good tomorrow. The following day, if it continues to be cold, that's when you start to see an effect and those fish will kind of pull out to the first drop, or if they're in cover, they're going to pull out to the outside edge of that cover and just kind of hang out to see what's going on, you know? And and they're a little bit more difficult to catch, but that's typically what happens. Um, Ross Deschamp. Deschamp? De oh, man, I suck at names. Anyway, uh, hey, Gene, here in, Indi uh, here in Indiana, we fished yesterday in very cold chocolate milk colored water. Not much luck. Any advice? Yes, I'm going to give you the advice I give for most muddy, muddy, cold water. 
pack it up and go home. <laughs> I I don't I hate muddy water. I was forced to fish a tournament in muddy water, cold muddy water the other day. And it wasn't super cold. It was like 52, 53 in the morning. So I figured the fish would be shallow and I'd be able to catch them. I got one bite all day. Literally, when if you can't find clearer water, pack it up and go home. Um, and I hate to say that because I'm one of those that loves to fish no matter what. But I have never had good luck in cold, muddy water. It's the worst conditions that you can possibly have. So, uh, Allie Zamora says, she says, my husband and I will be fishing Dale Hollow for the first time next week. Any suggestions? Um, trying to think of what the conditions have been up on Dale Hollow. Main Lake points leading into creeks and leading into pockets would probably be your best bet. And then go back into those creeks and fish the points as you head back into major main creeks and you should be good. Jody Queen, how you doing, man? Am I going to Hartwell? I don't, I haven't decided yet. I don't think I am though. I'm going to slow down. My videos have really, really taken a hit um, because I've been focusing on on tournaments. And you know me, I'm, I'm 100% when I'm there. So uh, probably not to Hartwell. I definitely am going, I'm going to try to go to, uh, Wilson Wheeler Pickwick for the for the trail series, but I don't even know if I'm going to do that yet. I'm I'm having second chance, seven second. Anyway, I'm I'm probably not. I don't know. We'll see. How often do I change my line? You know, you you hear about all these guys changing them after every tournament or after every day of fishing. I don't. I change mine about every six months. Really, I I make sure my rods are stored right. I don't leave them in my truck during hot days. I take them and put them in the in the, my shop. Um, I don't leave them in my boat for too long because it gets hot. And and the biggest thing is UV kills them too. So I try to leave. Uh, don't put as don't put a whole lot of them out on the deck of the boat when I'm in my big boat. A kayak's a different story, but still, I don't change them. But for every six months, and I'm just I've never had an issue. Um, another thing I do is I use this stuff called KVD line and lure. I'm not sponsored by them. I've been using them for using it for about 18 years. Uh, you spray your fluorocarbon with it and your monofilament and it gives it a, a protective coating, a UV protecting coating, and it makes it last longer. So what's my favorite lure? The one the bass wants. I don't have favorites. Um, I let the bass tell me what they want that day. And, and it, and it really does. It, it ups, it doesn't pigeonhole me to, to one bait. So have I ever fished North Carolina? If so, how was it compared to the other states? I have. I used to guide in North Carolina, but it was at a private resort uh, called the Kingfisher Society down in Laurel, Laurel Hill, North Carolina. And so it was kind of cheating. They were all feeder trained largemouth and we fed them out of 50 feeders twice a day. And so it was for you know rich people to come fishing. And I was basically a fishing caddy. I handed people their rods and I took the fish off the hook is what I did. But it was a lot of fun. I learned a lot about how fish migrate and how they, you know, how they respond to certain things because he could readily go catch them. But it was a lot. Of, it was a blast. So Christopher Asher, thanks for the five bucks. Moving to Atlanta next week. Any suggestions for lakes around there? The best suggestion I can give you is go to the to the Georgia Department of Natural Resources website or fisheries website, whichever one you want to go to. But anyway, and look for the fishing section and then go into the fishing section and you'll see um, uh, places to fish. Click in there and you can search by county and they'll give you all public lakes. And a lot of the good places are the public fishing areas they take really good care of. There's not a whole lot of them. I think there's like nine in the whole state. Uh, the other ones are 
the county um, owned water um, water lakes or, or water storage lakes, and they're typically electric motor only, no boats with gas motors. So those are usually the best ones in the state. Thanks for the five bucks, man. I appreciate it. Uh, can you throw an eighth ounce or one sixteenth ounce on a baitcaster? I can throw an eighth ounce. I don't like to. Um, if it's a if it is an eighth ounce, I'm going to have it on a medium heavy or medium moderate rod. But I never really get a good hook set on the jig head. But you can do it. So a uh, quarter ounce is about as light as I'll go. I ever fished Ohio Lake Erie, not the Ohio part of Lake Erie, but I have fished uh, the New York part of Lake Erie. Um, it was a lot of fun. Caught my personal best smallmouth about seven, just short of seven pounds out of Lake Erie. Uh, how often do you change your hooks or your crankbaits and jerk on your crankbaits and jerkbaits when they start to get rusty? Um, I am a believer that my crankbaits are just fine right out of the box or my hooks on my crankbaits. Um, there are very few that I'll change out fresh out of the box. The only ones I will is if they're saltwater runs or, you know, or they're, you can tell they're just the cheap, cheap um, hooks, but I rarely ever have that problem, but I'll train them. I'll change them out um, when they start to get rusty. No reason to change them out any other time. And, or if I've used them a lot and they've started to get, get dull and you can tell that I just scrape it on my fingernail and, and if it doesn't catch, then it's dull and I take it off and put another one on. So, uh, when fishing a flipping jig, what kind of trailer do you use? If I'm fishing a flipping jig, I always use a trailer that kicks a lot, has a lot of action. So a rage craw or a rage chunk or a rage bug. Uh, I love the rage products cause they do have a lot of action and I'll use any one of those for a, uh, for a trailer. So, um, Jer's custom lures. He says, been watching your videos and listening to your podcast for a long time. Thank you for the awesome stuff. Appreciate it, man. I appreciate it. David Carlson. How do you feel about 15 pound fluorocarbon for square bills? Um, that's typically what I use when I'm fishing cover. If I'm like ripping it out of grass or I'm banging it off of rocks or beating it on, on wood, I'm going to, and a lot of it, I'm going to use 15 pound. I rarely ever drop to 12. Uh, unless I really think, unless the water's super, super clear. And then I just kind of a mental thing makes me feel better about myself, I guess. But 15 is just fine. So, um, oh, have you ever fished Ohio? Not counting Erie. No, I have not. Uh, I haven't. I'd love to go up there and fish with, uh, with, uh, Dave Lefebvre. That would be a lot of fun. Uh, he keeps fussing at me for not coming up, right there, up there and fishing with him, so I need to. Um, and he lives, but he lives in Pennsylvania, I believe. Anyway, um, do you use mono or braid for topwater? I use mono. Um, I also will use a copolymer, which is basically a mono with a fluorocarbon coating. What's your thoughts on the 13 Fishing El Diablo lipless? I don't have my box in here anymore. Um, I tested it as a prototype. Um, it's really, really good. I haven't, I haven't gotten any of the new ones that are in the, the actual production ones. So I have, I can't give you a hundred percent. I don't know if anything has changed what I need in a lipless crankbait. And I, like I said, I don't know if this does it or not is I need one that I can burn super, super fast. That doesn't roll up on its side right now. The only one that I know of that does that is the Spro, um, uh, 
Aruka shad does not turn up when you're when you burn it. And that's not the only way I fish a lipless. It's just that I that's uh, that's one way I do it. I like to troll a lipless. And when you're trolling a lipless, you've got to have one that stays down. Um, I'd love to see 13 come out with one and maybe the Diablo El Diablo does that doesn't roll up on its side when you burn it fast. So, um, Cody Martin, good luck with your first tournament, man. That's awesome. Uh, what rods do you have? Jordan, uh, Ali, I'm, I'm sponsored by 13 fishing. Um, I have several different of their models. I, I use from their Muse, which is the, one of their more expensive ones, all the way down to the Defy, uh, which is like their $50 rod. Um, they're all really, really good. Uh, what I always tell people about them is is the 13 fishing rods and reels, uh, they perform and they feel better than their price point. So you, I feel like if I'm buying a hundred dollar rod, I really feel like it's a $140 rod when I'm fishing it, that kind of stuff. So I just feel like it's the best deal on the market. Um, let's see. What are your thoughts on Cinco fishing? Why does this always come up? Um, I would rather watch paint dry than fish a Cinco, but sometimes I'm forced to. Sometimes it just, I know it'll catch fish. I'm in a situation where it does, or I'm down in Florida and I will fish a Cinco. I just don't like to do it because, you know, if I ever make a video, which I probably will on how to fish a Cinco, it's basically going to be like, throw it out, let it sink on a slack line, watch the line for the jump. Once it hits the bottom, reel it back in, throw it out, let it sink on a slack line, watch the line to make sure it jumps. Reel it back in when it sits to the bottom. I mean, it's just, oh, that's, you know, and I know there's a lot more ways to fish it, but it does catch fish and it gets a ton of fish. I just would rather watch paint dry or grass grow or anything. So, um, hey, Gene, any advice for fishing the first openings in the ice early spring uh, looking to get out ASAP in New England? Yes, throw a jig drag it on the bottom on points on humps um you know steeper banks that kind of stuff drag a jig and then also uh a jerk bait that suspends about seven feet deep you should be just fine but definitely man the the jig bite once the ice is out i've heard from guys up there that it's just legendary sometimes if you can get into a spot that has a school of them because they typically stay in groups you know large groups during that period of time you can really pick off some big ones with a jig. Uh, have I fit, tried the 13 fishing jabber jar? And if so, how do you like it? I love it. I have tried it. I tried it as a prototype. I've got a bunch now. Um, I've caught a fish on my four, fourth cast that I've ever had a jabber jaw, and I've caught lots of fish these last few weeks. I just think it'll get better as the water temperature warms up a little bit more. I think it's good at you know, 53 and higher. It's really good. I, from my experience, anything colder than like 50 it tends to not be good because it's really loud and and typically from my experience bass like quieter crankbaits during that colder colder water so uh what works better for you hard body lure or soft plastic this time of the year hard bar hard body lure summertime soft plastic is typically what i'm talking what i do i'm almost all soft plastic in the summertime uh 
Josh Jones, thanks for the two bucks. He says, what is your take on Berkeley War Pig crankbait? I've never fished it. Not a clue. I almost bought one a couple of weeks ago and I didn't because I, I kind of ran out of money. I was buying like uh, uh, Berkeley uh, Fritz side crankbaits and I bought a whole bunch of them and I ran out of cash. So I didn't buy a, a War Pig. So. Um, what are you throwing in North Georgia for bass right now? Uh, chatterbait and a flat-sided crankbait. What else did I throw the other day? And dragging a jig. So, um, best baits for pre-spawn. It's going to be like a spinner bait and a jerk bait and that kind of stuff. Uh, moving baits. It's typically what the best things for pre-spawn are for me. I love the color red, orange, yellow. Uh, I got a video I just put out a little while ago about my favorite uh, favorite pre-spawn baits, but typically they're all red, orange, yellow, or a shad color. So, uh, David Carlson, what's the trick to keep your terminal tackle from getting into the other compartments in your terminal box? Man, I wish I had my Plano Edge box. Plano Edge has a new... Um, a new terminal tackle box that has individual boxes that have lids and they don't get into the other ones. And I love them. They're different sizes. You got a small and you got a larger one. Um, and they're really, really good at keeping that from happening. Now, what I used to do and what I do on my other boxes that I have that problem is I take, and you have to go way back to one of my old, old videos that I show this is I, as I take the lid off of the tackle off the box, and I take some shelf liner and I cut it out to fit the inside of the lid. And then I'll spray the, the lid inside of the lid with a, a spray adhesive and stick that shelf liner in there. And it'll keep your stuff from flopping from side to side. So that's the cheap fix. But the new Plano Edge terminal box, it is unreal. And then what I like about it is now you can buy those little boxes separate. So you get two or three of them and, and you can change out depending on what lake you're going to and that kind of stuff. So you really can't organize your tackle. Let's see. Power poles or talons? Power poles all day long and in some. Um, the Cinco is the most versatile bait you can use. Uh, I don't know. That's that's a stretch. That's It's a soft plastic. It can only do so much that a soft plastic can do. So, And I guess I do put it on a Carolina rig and I do a bunch of other stuff, but it's still just a soft plastic. So um, what, go, uh, what brand of copolymer do I use? I actually recommend... I'm sponsored by Seaguar, but they don't make a copolymer. So if you're asking me for a copolymer, the best copolymer on the market is Iserline Triple X Super Copolymer. I used it for a long time. It's not expensive. It's a really good copolymer for top water and that kind of stuff. Um, I've gone almost straight to fluorocarbon with Seaguar. I started using Seaguar back in 90 or 06. It's when I remember buying my first co first Seaguar fluorocarbon. Uh, caught a 9.98 with eight pound test line out of the grass. And I've been stuck. I've been hooked ever since. So anyway, uh, any tips for beginners in Colorado? Uh, same thing I tell everybody uh, that are beginners that really, really, you know, just want to, to soak in as much information as they can go start watching my beginners playlist. I've got a really, really good playlist that I put together and spent a lot of time on. Uh, and like, and, and you may already understand some of the first few videos, but it, they just kind of build on each other and I'm still adding to it every single year. I'm adding more and more stuff to it. So.
Uh, Chris says the Berkeley Warpig uh, lipless is very good. Never noticed it turning on its side. I will definitely try it then. Really. Um, and when I say I I run it fast, I'll troll it four and a half miles an hour. Is is and it, and if it rolls up on the side, that's that's pushing it. I mean, I don't mind it at that speed if it's rolling up, but a fast reel with an eight one to one gear ratio, I want to know if it's going to roll up or not. Um, see, Joppa Black Bass SRB says, "Here's one question. I started I started hunting on uh, on chatterbait. Started fishing. Huh? Started hunting on chatterbait. Anyway." Started hunting on Chatterbait. In your opinion, what is your best color and best trailer, best combo? Whew. Um, I use several different trailers. The one I typically go to that's like a good all-around trailer is this, the Strike King Blade Minnow. Um, it, it was made for blade baits and that kind of stuff or bladed jigs. Uh, color just depends. I, I love a green pumpkin on a green pumpkin jig. I tend to match them a little bit and uh and go from there but really it's pretty that it's pretty simple with that it's just i match the colors and that's that strike king trailer is, is usually what i go to first but there's several other ones that i will go uh michael moon is fishing gunnersville tomorrow what would you be doing michael moon i would be in the mouths of creeks starting off with and hitting all the points i could with uh flat-sided or actually a lipless crankbait Oh, you made me think about Gunnersville now, Mike. Golly. Um, yeah, I'd actually grab a lipless and I'd go fish the eelgrass. If you can find some really, really good, clean, green eelgrass in the mouth of a creek or, or you know, a, the first third of the creek, it should be really, really good. Uh, it, you know, keep it six, seven, eight foot. And I, and I wouldn't go much deeper than that. I'm thinking back on that tournament where I caught 54 fish in one without moving the boat. And it was all on that seven foot eelgrass on lipless crankbaits and swim baits. So good to see you, man. Uh, I got your text. I don't know if I responded to your text message or not, uh, but I got it about the RV. That's awesome. We may be hitting you up this year. Uh, what color chatter bait are you throwing right now? I have, Three different colors. I have a green pumpkin red that I've added a little bit of orange to. I have a bluegill color. And I have a, a white and chartreuse that I'm throwing. So I don't throw the fire crawl much. I, I know that it's the new end thing, but I just don't like end things. So, but I will add orange to a green pumpkin trailer or a green pumpkin chatterbait. See, hey Gene, what size battery do you recommend for uh, the Motor Guide XI3 for a kayak? Uh, is 38, 35 amp hour enough? 35 is not going to be enough. Uh, 53, the 53 that uh, that Dakota Lithium has, it will be enough for a full day of fishing. Maybe not in the in the long days of the summer if you decide to fish from daylight to dark, it may run dead then. But uh, the 100 amp hour will run about 15 miles on a on a, a 55 pound thrust xi3 and so the 53 amp hour should get you a full day of fishing so with seven eight miles definitely uh where can i find a bright yellow or orange fluke goldfish like i got no clue 
Jamie Broad, would you go 100 amp hour? I do use the 100 amp hour, but um, only if, I, like, the second day at Lake Murray for the KBF event, I definitely was glad I had the 100 amp hour because I ran that thing, according to my uh, to to my Angler app, I ran it 11 and a half miles that day. And so, uh, and I don't think that the 53 would have worked. So I definitely, the way I, I fish a lot of times, and if, if I'm on big lakes and I know I'm going to run a lot, that 100 amp is, is plenty. But like I say, the 53 is, is plenty for just your normal everyday, you know, go out and go fishing type deal. Uh, good to see you, brother. Uh, do you know of any places to pitch a tent and stay cheap down on Pickwick? I always stayed at the state parks. Um, I, I can't remember how much I, it's been years since I've stayed there, but the state parks is usually they're safe. They've got power and water, uh, power so I can charge my stuff. Um, as for, and, and if you're just pitching a tent and you're in, you're living off the grid, they do have tent, tent sites that are inexpensive for me in my travels, usually tent sites are between 15 and $20 a night. So, but as for free places, I got no clue. Um, if you're going out this weekend, what are you throwing on, on Lake Oconee? You know, everybody this time of the year on Oconee throws spinner baits and square bills, right? Around docks. I always do. They just want to throw spinner baits and square bills for some stupid reason. I grab a quarter ounce shaky head, a black trick worm. I find that darker, that dirtier water. I don't go up uh, the, into the clear water. And I love to throw in those on those, the corner posts of boat docks. Uh, until I get bit, and then I'll work the boat dock really, really good. So the inside or the shallow corner, the deeper corner, and then under the gangway that walk, that goes from the bank to the docks are typically what I'm doing, and I'm throwing a black trick worm as close to the docks dock post as I can get. And typically, it doesn't hit the bottom. If there's a fish there, they're going to bite it on the fall. And I have I won probably five tournaments on Oconee doing that this time of the year. And I wish I was down there again, man. That's a good, good bait. Um, oh, I'm going to throw, would you throw a vile crawl on a chatterbait? Probably not a chatterbait. Um, I don't know. I never tried it, but I, I probably wouldn't throw it on a chatterbait. I just, I, I think that it would do better by itself than it would with a chatterbait. But uh, let's see. Last question. Uh, Mr. Taylor asks, what do you think of deep diving crankbaits? I like them. I fish them in the summertime. I typically don't fish them any other time of the year just because the bass aren't out there that deep. Um, and uh, anywhere I'm throwing a, a deep diving crankbait, I'm almost more willing to throw it. Uh, Carolina rig. I just have more confidence in it. But the last several years, I've been throwing more and more deep divers and absolutely am getting better and better every year. And I just, I just haven't gotten to that point where I feel like that's going to be my first go-to bait. So anyway, all right, guys, well, I'm going to jump off of here. It has been well over an hour. Um, thanks for joining me. Don't forget the stuck on flute giveaway. Um, and uh and we will see you next friday night i'm gonna start doing these a lot more and start fishing a lot less tournaments so i can stay up to uh, up with you guys uh but like i always say be sure to introduce somebody to fishing introduce them to my channel and be help you teach them how to fish more importantly get out on the water go ahead and catch some fish and have a great day we'll see you